the bloody good film podcast. Hello and welcome to a podcast about the only two genres of film that matter. Action and horror! I'm your host, Jesse. With me as always, my aerobics partner, Josh. This is the Bloody Good Film Podcast, and we are back in Horrortober. This time, Josh, we're heading to the gym as we cover the 1989 slasher Despa. A movie I did watch in the gym this year, forgetting just how many nipples are in this movie. <laughs> So many nipples. <laughs> yeah, like, we're going to have to rate this on a, a hard nipple scale instead of whether or not it's a bloody good film podcast. Or bloody good film. Well, it is a bloody good film podcast. And in yeah. case you guys want your friends to know that it's a bloody good film podcast, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you guys listen to us. Helps us in the algorithm. Been practicing. Yeah, uh, you've been leaving it up to me to put that in the episodes most of the time, and I don't come in there with your podcast voice making the advertising so much more slick. But uh, <laughs> before we get into Despa, I've been doing the 31 new horror flicks for uh, 2023. These aren't necessarily new movies, they're just movies that are new for me. And I have done a terrible fucking job so far this year. Last year was like <laughs> hit after hit. I have mostly done shit this year. I went started out with Shark Lake, which I only nice. put on because it's Dolph Lundgren, and I had tried gummy edibles for the first time, and I wanted to, like, I don't need a movie with any brains in it. I got hit hard by the edible because I'm a light-ass fucking weight, and the movie still was hard to sit through. I could barely walk. I was hit so hard with that edible, and I still wanted to move away from the room where that movie was on. The only good scene was the scene where a woman's uh, getting pulled by a uh, by the boat on like a hang glider type thing, and then her her foot goes in the water, and terrible CGI foot comes off with terrible CGI blood. It was way too serious. You got Dolph Lundgren against a terrible CGI shark. Just have him punching the fucking shark. And then I watched Devil, basically a Christian movie. I, I, I guess I should have figured that out by the title, but I didn't expect it to actually hit me so hard with the morals and God does everything for a reason bullshit. It was awful. <laughs> I hated it so much. And then, I remember liking it when I saw it. Oh, If we do it, I'm going to be doing it under protest, but occasionally we choose movies that I don't like. And then the... <laughs> there's been some mediocre ones in between that. And then I finally did that one. We talked about a few episodes back, maybe a month back. I can't keep track of time. It lives inside, which we were like, Oh cool. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's like a Hindi a horror film. It's going to be possession or some kind of demon. That's not a Christian demon. Cause I'm getting sick of the Christian demons. I'm starting to wonder if we need to just stick with the Christian demons. I don't want to sound <laughs> xenophobic or something, but there's one part where they're summoning the demon and they're cooking a real nice meal to intrigue it. Nice. It's like, no, I, I need people drawing blood pentagrams and crosses upside down on the walls. Don't cook it a good meal. This, this is like if uh, you were trying to reconstruct the Last Supper to summon Jesus or something. Which I, I guess he summoned the devil. <laughs> But yeah, maybe the, maybe Satan wants his own supper too. So yeah, I've done really poorly. Uh, this is I've had like one highlight, which was like X the Man with the X Ray Eyes. That was cool, old school Roger Corman horror. But other than that, in possession was weird. Sam Neill completely unhinged. Uh, we got to do that one. It's gonna take actual like mental thoughts to break it down with that one was cool other than that i've mostly done bad movies this year i mean there's a lot of bad movies to choose from especially when you start getting into like the tubi and different stuff like that you hear movies that i've never even heard of this movie or i saw this once at 11 o'clock on sci-fi and stuff like that that you're gonna have a lot of misses um i had a hit and i was actually surprised i watched the tunnel 
which is like an Australian found footage film uh, about these like abandoned train tunnels that they make like a documentary crew goes down there. And I was actually really surprised that I enjoyed it. It had 100% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, that's wrong. And it was just like two critics that had wrote a review that really liked it, and then the all the audience had hated it. But I actually enjoyed it. It's atmospheric. It's one of those slow burns where not too much happens. It's very dark for pretty much the entirety of the movie. But in that darkness, they don't really give anything away, which I really like. So it was a refreshing found footage. Kind of has like that quarantine, like green screen camera feel to it. But I actually really enjoyed it. I was double checking. I thought a podcast I listened to covered that, but it was called Temple. Just two T's and I automatically thought it was the same thing. <laughs> so, never mind. I'll have to check that out because the other people hated it, but I don't. I disagree with that other podcast about a bunch of movies anyways. But I also just, I don't disagree with you that often. So I guess I can't trust your opinion. Although when you saw us watching Devil, you're like, oh, I remember that being a pretty good movie. Praise Jesus. And then I'm like, oh, <laughs> I guess I, I can't trust Jesse's opinion anymore. I definitely said, yeah, I thought I remember it being pretty good with the little praying hands. I was trying to just give you a warning that, hey, I don't know if this is right up your alley or not. <laughs> I don't, I'm not even I'm not even an M. Night Shyamalan hater. Like, I actually thought the movie looked good from the trailers, and I, I like demonic stuff. One of the movies on my list to watch this year, which I've had this DVD for probably like five years. I don't know why I haven't pulled the trigger on it. I'm finally going to force myself to watch Devil's Advocate. Only mm. reason why I haven't watched it is it's, over two hours long i think it said 144 minutes and i I have a hard time committing myself to 144 (laughs) minutes especially if you don't know if it's going to be good like if you're re-watching something that's two hours long you at least go well it's two hours i know i can enjoy this but like risking a two hours two hour and 20 minute movie on something that's like could be awful is a risk yeah, it's, it's why I watch a lot of movies on Tubi. I watch movies, I pick a lot of my movies based on runtime. And if it's under 90 minutes, there's a good chance that it's going to get played. I have a whole bunch on my list <laughs> this year that's under 90 minutes. There's a, the Bloody Body Builders from Hell, which is Japanese Evil Dead. That's 62 minutes. I'm watching that Perfect. for sure. And I'm purely <laughs> based on it. I haven't watched any trailers. I've heard word of mouth that it's pretty good. But I'm only going into it because it's so damn short that I cannot miss it. And shout out to Tubi. Tubi's algorithm is amazing. Like we watch so much weird stuff on Tubi, but my recommended is always just something that I go, well, I want to watch that. I want to watch that. Like I watched this one and then there was like three different gym horror movies that popped up. It's like, well, if you like this one, you might like these other three. And I was like, well, I'm going to watch all three of those this month. Settings don't always work because of one of the movies that I watched this year that I found because we did a hospital ma- well, me, me and Kelly did hospital massacre yeah. expert earlier this year. And I gotten recommended uh, visiting hours with William Shatner and Michael Ironside in a slasher movie. I'm like, that's going to be Sounds good in off. theory. So boring. He, uh, Michael <laughs> Ironside was the killer and he seemed to get distracted by fucking everything. He's chasing this woman through a hospital and he sees another woman. He's like, Oh, I want to chase that now. So he follows that woman home instead of going after the woman he was there to kill in the first place. And then he, he sneak into the hospital three times. He could have just done it the first time and gotten over with, but now he, he had more and more convoluted ways. I think he was getting bored because he showed he could just walk into the fucking hospital and nothing would happen. But at one point he's like, I got to smash my arm with glass so they'll take me to the hospital on a gurney it's like what the you couldn't just walk in man you could have killed her already and been done with it so yeah we're not gonna cover that hopefully but hopefully there's good gym stuff i don't know <laughs> are, are we are we ready to get into the trailers now yeah let's get into some not only trailers let's get into the holiday spirit josh it's spooky season which i know you hate you made it such a big deal the first season of the podcast that I called it spooky season. You ripped into me saying it's dumb. No one should ever call that. And you hardly ever give me any pushback anymore when I call it spooky season. How often do we talk about you saying spooky season? I, I say mean, it I'm- every October, <laughs> multiple times. I'll be honest, I must be tuning you out because this is, must, this is the only time I ever remember you saying it. It sounds corny. It sounds stupid. You sound like an 80-year-old woman. It's spooky <laughs> season, young children. Like, that kind of thing. But that's it. I don't care. You sound like a grandma if you want. Maybe I've just become more accepting. I've been getting more progressive so. as the podcast goes along. As I, I listened to the early episodes, I'm like, oh, I'm still pretty cr- fucking cringy back then. But, uh... Yep. 
yeah so go ahead enjoy your grandma spooky season and all that kind of shit but yeah uh for some weird reason we've chosen three holiday trailers to talk about not halloween holiday trailers no, to talk about. that's that fuck that who gives a fuck about halloween it's whortober by the way uh we gotta go <laughs> first we gotta show our thanks with eli oh, yeah. ross thanksgiving trailer which i'm looks amazing mm, we might be disappointed no oh uh, i think it looks so good i like eli roth did you watch the 2007 trailer before you rewatch this because it's going to change your opinion on this strongly because the 2007 trailer from grindhouse was yeah. dark it was gritty it was 70s there were no fucking cell phones in sight uh it was i understand that they can't show so many titties in it because this is a real trailer <laughs> as opposed to the grindhouse trailer but everything <laughs> else was dirty gritty looking and this looks like a cleaned up Eli Roth movie. This has the same style as Green Inferno and the other Grindhouse movies actually uh, took up the feel of Grindhouse. Machete tried its best to capture the feel of Machete. Uh, Hobo with a Shotgun did an amazing job of recapturing that Canadian trailer even though they upgraded to Rugger Hauer in it. This, amazing. it doesn't look bad, but it looks mediocre. It looks back to like typical Eli Roth, which is fine. I like Green Inferno. It wasn't a bad movie. It was barely a horror movie. It was more comedy than anything. This yeah. looks like it's going to be a comedy. I hated that there are cell phones. I thought they were going to recapture the feeling of the original trailer and actually have it take place in like a 70s gritty thing. I don't see Michael being anywhere in this trailer, which they should have gotten him for this. <laughs> I don't know. It's It looks fine. I, I want more Thanksgiving horror movies. I, I love Blood Rage or Blood Rage or my no Blood Rage isn't that uh whatever the 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 one with the killer twins I love that oh, movie yeah yeah now it's Blood something now I'm making myself go crazy now you're making me think and now I can't think of it we don't have enough Thanksgiving slashers so it's it needs to fucking happen yeah it's definitely not dark at all it definitely has a comedic feel to it which a lot of these holiday themed slasher movies and holiday themed horrors tend to go they normally have some sort of comical theme that goes around them but the kills the creativity the stuff that we see in the trailer it's what i want to see it's very much thanksgiving it's very much in your face like the girl when he stabs her in the ears with the corn on the cob holders that's amazing that's a great way that is good like obviously we get someone cook like a turkey that's good and i i like the costume of the killer i like the traditional pilgrim with the mask like that's cool it's cheesy it was, it's in it was, your face it was better looking in the original trailer and it was blood rage i shouldn't question myself oh. uh, but it was it looked more homemade in the trailer from uh, grindhouse and this looks too polished Everything. It looks store-bought. It looks like someone went and bought a Pilgrim costume, which is fine. In in the modern times, I agree, yeah, this probably would have looked really cool and been darker in this whole 70s, older type of setting. But if you're going to update it and put it in a small town in a modern setting, I have no problem with a polished costume that someone bought at Spirit Halloween and it's carrying over. The problem is... This is get, uh, driving off the trailer that we were promised in 2007. This isn't the movie that we were promised. This is a different Thanksgiving slasher. I think the original teaser trailer might have had the trampoline sequence. The updated trailer did not have oh, the yeah. trampoline sequence. And the trampoline sequence is pretty intense. If that's in the movie, it'll buy some points. But I, I don't want uh, the boyfriend filming it from uh, from outside the trampoline with his phone. I, I don't want that. I, I miss like the fact that in one of the scenes the girl was making out with her boyfriend and didn't somehow realize that his head had been cut off while he was making out with her like that kind of stuff is fun it needs to be leaning into it i i need to, eli roth to do it right and i know he understands horror he had that a uh, history of horror a tv show on shutter yeah. and i listened to the podcast and he's knowledgeable but i don't think he knows how to use the knowledge all the time because he has inspirations like green inferno he showed he has inspirations from uh, greater movies uh, not quite justifiably moral movies because there's issues with cannibal holocaust but it's a, <laughs> oh, yeah. it's a good movie but what i saw in green inferno 
did not show those inspirations. It was a comedy, had fart jokes, and then it just happened to have cannibals. So he has good inspirations. He just doesn't know how to show it in his work. Well, he's one of those people that you just love to hear talk about horror. Like, there's certain people that I love to hear talk about their inspirations and what they love about horror. And he's one of those people because he's so knowledgeable and you can tell that he knows so much about the genre and loves the genre. His movies have been hit or miss for me for the most part. I enjoy him as a director. He's one of those directors that I will go see. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on it than you. I mean, yeah, it's not the trailer that we were promised, but we were promised that, was it 16, 17 years ago now? Like, that's a long time. Things have changed, you know, movies have changed, morals have changed. A lot has changed since 2007. You're, thing, you're not always going to get the movie that you're promised. The thing is, things have changed from the type of movie that Thanksgiving trailer was mocking. It was mocking a grindhouse type movie. So it should be able to recapture a grindhouse type movie. Because even that one was supposed to look fucking dated. It's not supposed to be of the time. So that argument is dumb. Uh, you're wrong. <laughs> the very least, he can update it to like 16 years later to make it look like a cheap 90s movie or something. I don't know. That's the only thing that would maybe make sense if you're going to talk about changing with the time. The trailer has to change within the time within the trailer then. Oh, no, that, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about real lifetime. The time from when that trailer, trailer originally came out till now. No, no, I understand. Years. I understand what you're saying, but the movie's mocking a time from 30 fucking years before it, so it has to be mocking a time within another another time period. It shouldn't be looking modern. If they're going to update it, it can only update within those 16 years. That's it. It makes zero sense why he's updated it to something of today, because that's not the trailer that he promised. It doesn't matter that it moved with the time. The movie wasn't of the time that it was made to look like. So that's zero sense from you. He's fucking up here. I hope it's good. I want it to be good. His movies are usually pretty decent. They're just not amazing. He, The Thanksgiving trailer that he did was his best piece of work he ever did because it showed that he understood the genre. This looks like he's lost that understanding. He might have gone from like, that could have been his Empire Strikes Back and now he's doing Phantom Menace when he's doing it for real. He's, he's lost it like George <laughs> Lucas did with his material because it expanded in his brain too much and he couldn't get back to the fucking basics i'm gonna come into it level-headed i'm gonna come into it forgiving the original trailer that we saw way back in 2007 come into it with an open mind and i think i'm gonna enjoy it it, it looks fun you know it may not look like what we expected or what we think it should be it looks like it's gonna be a fun thanksgiving horror It'll be fine. It'll probably be like perfectly fine on first watch, and then you'll forget it ever existed. And we'll probably do it, so I'm sure we'll have this argument again later on in the year. I hope I like it better than, than what I'm seeing there. I'm just trying to be honest. I don't expect to hate it. Don't get me wrong. I'm coming off on it negative, but I do think he fucked up by not giving us the movie that he promised. But I don't think it looks terrible. It just looks a little bit more generic and one of those watch it and forget it. Which aren't that isn't bad. There are fun watching and forget it type movies like Cocaine Bear. I have zero interest in ever watching that movie ever again. I had fun while I was in the theaters watching it. It's just a watch it and forget it type film. We need those. Those are perfectly fine to exist. But one that I hope I do not forget is the upcoming John Woo film, Silent Night. His first American movie since 2003's Paycheck, and he decided he didn't want to see any Americans talking or flapping their fucking mouths in this movie, because there isn't a single word said in this movie except for, like, over-the-radio chatter that's, like, basic soundboard sounds that you hear in the hospital. I think you even hear it at the beginning of Queensryche Operation Mindcrime, so... That doesn't count as the words. There's no spoken dialogues from the actors on this fucking set. And it's going to be driven by the action. And it looks fucking awesome. It does look really good. And I like the story. I like the concept. Regardless of what this movie could have been. Like just getting John Wick back. Doing an American. Or John Wick. John Wick. John Wick. <laughs> getting the producer of John Wick. Who's in this movie. No getting there John Woo. Getting John Woo back to do another American movie is just so exciting. And the, I love holiday movies, man. Getting John Woo to do a Christmas movie is incredible. And it looks really, really good. I mean, our guy, main guy gets shot in the throat at the beginning of the trailer, screams silently, and then basically the rest of the trailer is half montage and half just quick clips of him murdering people. Well, I, I think it's almost going to be like a music video because there is going to be no dialogue for anybody. Despite the fact that he's the only one with the hurt throat, 
we're not getting any dialogue for anybody. So he's going to have to tell it visually, even on the cast list. It just mentions the, the actors names for the cast. It doesn't say the characters that they're playing. I doubt we'll know the name of the characters. We're just going to have to follow them. I am. I used to hate Joel Kinnanam. I can't say his fucking name, but uh, because he played RoboCop and he wasn't fucking uh, Peter Weller, so no, he. <laughs> so it's not my RoboCop, but uh, that wasn't his fault. That wasn't his fault at all. I he thought he did good in Sympathy for the Devil with Nicolas Cage. He kind of won me over. He's jacked as fuck in this movie, which I found yeah, out he, he has is. like something wrong with his ribs or something. So the fact that he's able to get himself that jacked with fucked up weird ribs that needed like metal put inside him to get kind of normal looking is pretty impressive. That's putting in the fucking work. That's crazy. And it's got Kid Cudi in it, who I've grown to realize is actually a pretty decent actor. We saw him in X and he, he was one of the best parts of that movie. So I'm excited to see him. I'm excited to see good physical acting like this is on the surface of really emotional story i mean it's his son gets shot he's on this whole revenge mission are you going to be able to portray that type of emotion and carry the story along in the mix of all the amazing action that we should get i have a feeling that it's gonna be like 90 percent action and then like emotional beats which i do think John Woo is the perfect person to do this. You Agreed. do feel emotion in his movies, even when they're fucking ridiculous. Face Off is ridiculous, and you still feel <laughs> like, I'm not saying you're going to cry in that movie, but you do feel emotions for the character. You do feel desperation in certain moments. And I think he'll be able to capture it in this. And then nobody does action better than John Woo. Nope. I feel like this is going to be his best movie since Face Off, probably. Because I can't Hopefully. think of anything after Face Off that was really memorable because of Hollywood fucked him over. A lot. I mean, he got a lot of studio interference and you can see. The one thing with him is it's very easy to see what his vision is and what is John Woo and what is someone else. And we've seen it so many times where we've seen people go, oh man, this is a great John Woo vision. And you see immediately where it's taken out of his hands. So I hope he gets the creative freedom to do what he wants to do. And he said it was very passionate about making a movie where people don't speak. So it looks like they're giving him the green light for it. I hope he gets the green light the whole way through and we just get some crazy action scene. Well, I know they had like reviews from people that saw early screenings, I guess. And all of them were like, it'll leave you speechless and crap like that, which is fucking solid. <laughs> the few reviews that are on the trailer seem to think is good, but uh, we'll leave it to the rest of the people. Yeah, I just think... This is a movie that 100% needs to come in around the 90-minute mark, give or take a little bit. I'd say even maybe 80 minutes is is the perfect route, but I'll accept 90 minutes as as like the upper end of okay. I'm okay with no dialogue, but there comes a certain point when you're like, okay, I'm getting bored here. I need a little bit something extra. So I think it can maintain for that amount of time, and I think John Woo can do it. But it's going to have to be some great fucking action. I am concerned I saw no doves in the trailer, so I don't know what the <laughs> fuck's going on there. Isn't Aren't doves, aren't even doves a part of the 12 Days of Christmas? Yeah, so, so there you go. I'm sure he'll work it in. He'll be in the background, and you'll have the doves just flying. He'll make it work. You're not going to have a John Woo movie, no doves. It'll probably be going on while the 12 Days of Christmas is, is playing in the background somewhere. All right. So I'm excited for it. That's probably another one we'll talk about, hopefully, on this podcast, too, later on in the year when we get into our Christmas stuff. One that we might not talk about, but the trailer came out, and I feel like we might as well talk about it while we're on this holiday kick. It's a Wonderful Knife, which I know is It's a Wonderful Life is one of your weird movies that you just love so much. I do. So I'm excited to see the horror take on it. I like the premise, I think, a little bit more than I like the trailer. I mean, I don't think it's going to be completely awful. I like Justin Long. He's in it. He's going to be playing the killer. Yeah. Spoilers. I guess there's pretty big spoilers in the fucking trailer. So that's, that's, <laughs> on, that's on you if you watch the trailer, which I don't think you'll be able to avoid it until Christmas. Uh, then the girl who stopped him. Uh, wants to commit suicide. Everybody think would be happier if I wasn't alive anymore. And then suddenly he's back alive because she had stopped him. And now everybody's dead and nobody remembers her. And Joel McHale's her father, which he seems to be playing the dads in horror movies lately because he was the dad in uh, 
the uh, Becky movie also. Oh, okay. I, I guess that's his thing now. He, he doesn't look like a father to me. He looks like a guy that's living happy in his forties and doesn't uh, care about uh, kids at all. But whatever. He, he, I like him as an actor. I like Community. I'm happy to see him in this. Uh, some, I guess, uh, some. What's that show? Butterflies or whatever that show? Fireflies, Yellow Jackets, Yellow Jackets, <laughs> Yellow that's Jackets. It. The the main characters from that. Obviously, I didn't, obviously I didn't get that. My girlfriend pointed it out that oh, it's the Yellow Jackets. I'm like oh, I'm more of a green person than that, so I don't pay attention to Yellow Jackets. Um, I take a second to tell you that Yellow Jackets is the best thing that's been on TV in a very very long time. So you, you, she's you great said, in that. And that we did scream, and I didn't care then either. <laughs> it's great. You need to watch it. Two whole seasons now. You can binge it in a week. It's great. Everyone go check it out if you haven't. She's amazing in it, so I'm excited to see what she does. I really like Justin Long in horror movies. It's weird because I don't think of him as like a horror actor, but anytime he's been in a horror movie, for the most part, I've enjoyed his part. Like we loved him last year in Barbarian. I love him in Tusk. Like he he's just good. There's just something about him on screen. I genuinely do like him as an actor and especially in horror i think he's got a fun niche there he's got that final girl vibe as a guy if that's a if that's a thing well sometimes because he's the killer in this one he didn't have final girl vibe in barbarian he (laughs) definitely did in jeepers creepers though i'll give it that as yeah as much as i hate to plug that movie i do love it i just hate the fact that the director is a fucking scumbag but just the long because fucking incredible in horror actually i don't give a fuck about him in comedies he doesn't fit comedy movies for me as i can't think of a single time i've been oh i want to see a justin long comedy movie <laughs> no horror's where he works like he can be funny in horror i love tusk i know that one's like controversial kind of goes like either you fucking love it or you fucking hate it i'm in the love i love it, it. and yep. he's He's obnoxious and annoying, and he's obnoxious and annoying and barbarian, but he's the kind of obnoxious annoying that'd be horrible to uh, sit in the same room with, but it's fun to watch on screen. Yeah, I'm excited for it. This one, out of the three movies that we've talked about, to me, has the biggest chance to not be good. I don't know why, but there's just something that has that vibe where I go, this might not work, and I have a lot more confidence in the other two. The thing is, it is for the people that created... uh, Happy Death Day and uh, Freaky. I don't know who it is that created because I don't think it's Christopher Christopher Landon doing this one. So I probably should have taken a look at who's doing it. But if but it's those are solid, yeah. And they had terrible trailers too. So I'm hoping this is kind of similar of terrible trailer but absolutely fun movie that outshines it. I'm trying to see who the director. Tyler McTiernan. I don't know what the fuck he had to do. Maybe it's the writers of those movies. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the tone of those movies seem to be in line with this one. It does seem like it's going to have some comedy in it. And that's kind of what pushed both of those movies with the, was that they were funny. And, you know, we've seen Justin Long be funny in horror movies before. So, I mean, in theory, it could work. We may very well like this movie. The concept itself seems like it's going to be a little convoluted, but it also seems like it could work. But I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'll definitely watch it. You know, one thing we love on this podcast is holiday horror. And so we're usually yeah. probably going to watch most of these movies. I, I prefer it with a little less comedy than what's in here. And this yeah. definitely is more, this looks more comedy than horror, which does work. It's just hard to talk about. Uh, if you've listened to our happy death day episode, not our strongest episode, uh, but, no. but, uh, <laughs> but maybe this will be fun. All right. Uh, we ready to get back into the mate or not back. I'm, I'm listening to Jesse last week who said we had to get back to Death Spa and I forgot for a second. I got myself yeah. confused. Well, let's I, get uh, back to it, Josh. Back to get, the Death Spa. Back to the Death Spa. Marty, we gotta get back to the Death Spa. Because it's <laughs> I don't know. At Starbody Hill Spa, your health is their one concern. Your waning health. A year after the fiery death of Michael's wife, Catherine, people have started dying mysteriously in his health spa. Is it the state-of-the-art equipment gone haywire, or is something more sinister happening? Either way, the workouts here are killer. (laughs) Nice. This movie is wild. It's definitely got an 80s feel to it despite it being almost a 90s movie it definitely feels feels very 80s which i love uh i i just love how this movie opens 
like you get that like slow block there's like lightning and thunder it's got the name of the, the star spa. spa star buddy hell spa lightning strikes everything except for death spa goes out on the lights for the luminescent lights for the name of the spa amazing way to do it's it it's amazing it's such a good opening and then the camera just slowly just keeps walking into the spa and then not even a minute and a half after walking to the spa we have nipples and i'm like man this is 80s horror cheesy b movie at its best right off the rip yeah and uh, the first intense attack by the spa it doesn't kill people at, at this scene woman's going into uh, into what would they call those things uh the sauna sauna I've never sat in a sauna before. They look uncomfortable as hell. They're not fun. Yeah, like, I've lived in a room where I wasn't able to afford air conditioning. So, like, that wasn't relaxing <laughs> to me. I don't see how people are paying to go inside that, but that's fine. She looks good naked in them. After she was yeah. talking to Ken Forey, who's kind of wasted in this movie. <laughs> like, you get Ken Forey, and he's, like, almost a background character. Except for he swims with the main character for a little bit, and I guess that's entertaining. But, uh... <laughs> That's all his character development is. I swim with white dudes, and that's it. Uh, <laughs> the The thing with this movie is it's got a really good opening and just absolutely incredible final act. But there's some cool kills, but man, this story, this quote-unquote story, is so convoluted and so just weird that anytime they're like talking about like the backstory of this movie, I hate it. That's the only thing. Wait, wait, before we get into the story, she gets hit with uh, chlorine that was in the sauna. Oh, yeah. Blinded. I didn't want to leave people hanging there because I you took she the like thread. permanently blind or is she like just temporary blind? She's no, she temporary gets her vision blind. back by the she gets her vision back by the climax of the movie in time for her to get attacked again. She, she just barely she's just I, I was horribly attacked. Good thing my vision is back. Oh, I'm underneath the tanning bed for too long now. And I got cancer. So yeah, her luck sucks. I do like the high tech computer savvy uh, gym that they have going on. And they make a big point of it is that it's the most high tech gym. Like we see them messing around with it. They're adding resistance to the bike that the guy's trying to do his workout. And all of a sudden he can't push the pedals. Like they have total control of every aspect of this gym in the 80s, which is impressive. It's wireless too. You don't see wires coming out of anywhere. It's just like they have gym equipment. Like, just trust us. There's uh, technology <laughs> making this shit work in the 1980s, state of the art. But I love this because it's one of many red herrings. And if you know me, I love ridiculous red herrings in yeah. horror movies. It's one of the reasons why I love Happy Death Day to me because that movie is nothing but red herrings. And so the first time I was watching this, I went in knowing nothing about it. And like, okay, so it's going to be. Uh, electronic AI goes insane and starts killing people in the gym. Wrong. I was wrong about that, <laughs> but that was the first red herring that we got. And like the entire time, uh, I watched this with Heather the first time. The entire time we were watching this, we we're trying to figure out what it was. I did not guess what was killing people by the end of the movie. I got somewhat close once, but then I changed my mind on it when I thought it was David, uh, Catherine's twin brother that uh, was kind of angry about the fact that uh, her her husband had moved on. It's kind of David, kind of David, but it's more convoluted <laughs> than that. Yeah, and I like that every character, at least our main characters, you know, the twin brother, there's a time you go, yeah, it's the twin brother. The twin brother is responsible for it. And then... There's also just our main character is just kind of sketchy. He looks kind of sleazy. He doesn't seem like the greatest guy. So you go, it could be this guy too. And then they take this weird like left turn halfway through the movie. And it's like, yeah, you know, we had this whole thing about his wife committing suicide and he's moved on. But you know what also would be a great story point? Let's get his lawyer involved. And all of a sudden his lawyer and someone that works in the gym is trying to like insurance fraud and snake the gym from underneath them like why is that in this movie well that was a red herring because you saw them <laughs> messing around with the computers like oh they're messing right. around with the computers so they're gonna be involved with the killers when really they just wanted to buy the gym out from under him and sleazy tactics like get the gym because he was gonna get sued by all the people dying in there <laughs> one of the confusing things for me was uh they were the girls were all in the locker room in the shower the shower starts getting really fucking hot and then the tiles start bursting out the wall and that was when <laughs> i was like can electronics control the fucking tiles because if they had the tiles working with electronic computers you need to take the fucking tiles off the computer 
So that was like my first hit that might not be a computer thing, but I'm like, why would you use a computer for almost all of these things? There's no reason why you need a computer to control the weight of gym equipment from inside another office because the person working the gym equipment there is going to be the person that needs to adjust it. Like we have (laughs) computers built into like resistance on bikes and stuff. Now I don't need somebody in the office at planet fitness saying this fat ass looks like he can use a lot more (laughs) fucking resistance right now, which is why I love that. They use that joke because they're, they're both sitting in the office laughing and this guy's just breezing through on his bike and then they add resistance and he can't push it at all. And they're just having the best laugh at it. So I like that they did use that joke in it. The movie's got good humor. Both intentional and unintentional, and I think that's the best thing about it. Some of the some of the lines are fucking hilarious. One of my favorite lines, and it's not even a death scene. It's like the the hot chicks walking around the gym trying to pick up a muscular dude, (laughs) and then uh the the one uh, muscular dude's doing his workout, and he goes, "I'm a V or you were VHS, I'm a beta," so we couldn't work out. (laughs) I love. That's like saying, uh, you're, you're a Blu-ray, I'm an HD DVD, we couldn't work out. And like, Beta lost. Beta fucking lost. <laughs> so he definitely should have been shooting up for that VHS. <laughs> and I just love all the scenes like in the gym. The gym itself just looks cool. It's a very cool environment. It's a very cool home base for our horror movie. Like, it's got the neon lights, everything's so bright. Everybody's got the bright colors on. It they really do a good job at capturing that whole like eighties fitness craze that was going on at the time. This this is the movie that every woman that's ever dressed up for eighties night at some party yeah. watches and then they try to emulate because this is apparently the only touchstone for uh, maybe I'm being sexist for ninety nine percent of women when it comes to eighties <laughs> is is the gym workout gear. Yeah. Everyone's got the neon colors, they got the sweatbands, the knee highs, the whole nine yards. Like, they check every box. Like, when I think of just, like, 80s aerobics and 80s fitness and fashion, like, they nail it in everything. So, like, aesthetically, this movie's just so pleasing to watch. You know, whether it's the people in the movie, there's very attractive women naked for, like, half the movie. Put them in a really cool-looking spa type of gym and... It, visually, this movie's entertaining from start to finish. I love the the backstory on Catherine. Catherine uh, was like happy go lucky until she had a problem giving birth, and then uh, she lit herself on fire because of that. Which, like the first time I watched, is like my my joke was, "Oh, she lit herself on fire." This is a gender reveal gone wrong. And then it talks about the baby because you see the flash of the woman on fire before you hear about the pregnancy. I'm like, oh. Okay, I guess I caught on to something a little bit early there, but she still was laying herself on fire because she got crippled by the the baby that uh, I guess was born stillborn, or or he's still around and just Michael's like, eh, I don't really want to take care of that baby by myself. Yeah, they never like full on say what happened. They just said there's a problem with the pregnancy. She got crippled, and then she set herself on fire, and then he moved on pretty quickly. Not only moved on to our girl who lost her vision with the chlorine. But he's hitting on every single girl in the gym at all times. Including Hillary Banks from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. And it's like he's not even trying to hide the fact. Like, they have this huge traumatic experience in the shower where tiles are literally shooting off the walls and cutting people in the middle of the showers. And not even 10 minutes later, he's like, oh, don't worry. Come into my office and, you know, I'll see if I can help you out. And they're like, oh can you take both of us at the same time? And I was like, whoa, this man is not only have a dead wife, he's got a new girlfriend and he's still just plowing her away. Which is his new girlfriend's like talking to David, the the twin brothers, like our relationship didn't start while he was still with Catherine. And we see him like shooting his sperm all over the gym. Like, "Eh, I'm kind (laughs) of iffy on that. He probably like Catherine was probably only going to be in the wheelchair for like a week. He's like, I can't wait that long. And then uh, he just started (laughs) boning up to the right and she decided to light herself on fire. But yeah, he's definitely not, uh, it's okay if you're in a polyamorous relationship, but he did not sound like he was in a polyamorous relationship. (laughs) He also was very careless about it because uh, 
uh, when David was fixing up the computer at his house, the one girl in the short dress came to drop off groceries. And I'm using air quotes with groceries because what was in that grocery bag with flowers? So I think he was taking advantage of the fact that uh, his girlfriend is blind. And he was just going <laughs> to fuck that other girl in another room. <laughs> I like David's character, though, because David does a good job as the twin. First, it's just looking like he's up to something. And it helps that our main character is constantly blaming him for everything that's going on. It was it was you. you. You're trying to get back at me. What are you trying to do? What's your plan? And he does a really good job at selling that for the majority of the movie, that he's the one that's doing everything. And he's well, the also, techie guy that runs everything. Also, he's very clearly queer-coded. And in the 80s, that meant you were evil. I'm yeah. not agreeing with that today. Plenty of gay people do not kill people, but I'd say most of them don't. But in the in the 80s, if you had a hint of queer sexuality, you were a murderer in the movies. So definitely he was reading off as a villain back then. How do you feel about the cops in this movie? We have like our two like detectives that are here trying to quote unquote solve the case. I don't really know what they're doing for the majority of the movie. I can't stand the guy cop. He's every time he's on the screen, I hate it. He's annoying. He's slobby. It's just there's something about him that just rubs me the wrong way every time he's on the screen. And they get a lot of screen time trying to solve this murder that's going on i think the guy cops the only one that stands out i'm sorry i i kind of barely i'm watching the movie the woman was just on the screen and she's already <laughs> uh, disappearing from my memory well the guy cop was kind of sleazy just uh kind of hit hitting up uh, on the bartender at okay i'm gonna admit there was a problem here when we did this movie this month i watched this a year ago and i didn't pick up on the fact that they said mardi gras party at one yeah. line in the movie and then I saw that they were people in costumes, and I thought, oh, it's a Halloween movie. And Googling it, Googling it, people even thought it was a Halloween movie, because there's one throwaway line where they mention Mardi Gras. The rest of it, they just say it's a party. So, like, I'm not the only person that missed it. I looked online, a lot of people thought this is a Halloween movie, too. It's apparently Mardi Gras. Happy Mardi Gras. Show us your tits. Uh, which actually makes sense for this movie. Uh, yep. I had to admit that. But they're at the Mardi Gras party. The sleazy cop is hitting on the woman in the Bumblebee uh, outfit. And uh, there was one point where he's like, this, this drink needs a little something more. I thought he was going to say honey because he was hitting on her the entire time. Then he just says she was vodka. on B. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he just says vodka. I'm like, what the fuck, man? You had your line. You've been sleazy. At least be clever <laughs> once in your life. <laughs> so let me get to the fun part of this movie. Because there is a lot of stuff in the middle of this movie that I don't really care about. Like you were talking about trying to figure out who was, what was going on and who was doing all these murders and the red herrings and stuff like that. That part actually bored me in this movie. Like it's not well acted. The story is convoluted. Let's just get to the fun part. And the fun part about this movie is the kills. There are absolutely amazing kills in this movie. And the one that I want to start talking about while we're talking about the sleazy cop, they're making sushi at this party. Like they're clean living. So they're making fish and sushi. The ghost that we later figure out uh, is the one that's doing everything. Basically throws him into the freezer and reanimates a sliced up like eel, which then goes to town on this guy. It's absolutely wild over the top. At that point, we hadn't had anything that just so ridiculous. I don't know. There, there's a lot of ridiculous, like uh, the one uh, psychic investigator that goes to investigate oh. downstairs. And then uh, he sees Catherine's ghost, which is also David possessed. And he yeah. goes to fire his gun and his hand fucking explodes. <laughs> That's great. How about the girl that thought that she was going to hook up with Michael goes downstairs. <laughs> and then apparently somebody switched out the, the sprinklers with acid. <laughs> like yeah. so. She gets covered in acid. The psychic finds her. She's still making noise, even though like all of her skin is melted off. Her eye is just barely hanging out. <laughs> and she's still like, oh, and the psychic runs away from that. Like, there's incredible stuff. It gets a little, the fishes is a little bit more bizarre, but the acid in the, in the, in the sprinklers is fucking amazing. Especially since so, she lies down when she's hit with the acid. Yeah. Instead of trying to run out of there, like she tries to duck for cover, even though the room is flooding. So she's lying in acid, hoping she doesn't get hit on the top while she's lying in a pool of acid. The thing with the acid, is that like a ghost thing? 
does the ghost come in and be like, you know what, this water that's in the sprinkler system is now acid? Or is that, does she actually have help in this movie from her twin brother that she oh, may or may not possess? No, no, like, she, is he the one up there making the work? She 100% possesses him so that she can get a, a body. So, like, people are seeing her looking sexy, but it's really David's legs that everybody's checking out. So it's <laughs> it's kind of like a mixture of Psycho with a little bit of Exorcist thrown into it because mm, okay. uh, he, he kind, he's definitely cross-dressing. We see him starting to cross-dress, and then eventually right. she's able to possess him so hard that uh, everybody's seeing titties where there are no titties anymore. Or she's manifesting titties on top of his man titties. And uh, he's able to morph. She's able to morph him a little bit. The physics on it and the science of it isn't fully explained, but she definitely possesses him. And when she possesses him, she gets superhuman strength because she can throw Ken Forhey through a window like he's nothing. And he's not a small guy by any stretch of the imagination. He's a great bro in this movie. Like he doesn't have a lot to do, and he's kind of a wasted part. But he's basically the best friend bro and. You know, he sees his buddy down, he's sad, you know, someone almost got murdered, and apparently that makes him a little bit sad, but he, like, goes in the office, and he's like, let's play football, and they start, like, tossing the football around the office, like, he's just the perfect bro, they show a just throwaway scene that means nothing of them just swimming together in the pool, it's just like, he's in that movie for no other reason to just be like, that's his bro, that's his best bro, he just gets yeeted through that window, and it's incredible. What's great is he gets thrown through the fucking window. The party's going on. The party keeps going. No one notices. There's like some people standing right there and they just kind of move out of the way and continue partying. It's like I'm seeing a mugging in New York except for it's located inside this fucking gym. People are dying. (laughs) The one woman gets her hand eaten up by a blender. Nobody fucking notices. The only time people notice anything crazy is going on and there's so much craziness going on. So much. when the fire breaks out of people, other people start dying. But I wanted like just the fire to be going all around and still have like little groups of people still dancing to the music. <laughs> the the end of the movie with the fire and everything like that definitely gives me a little bit of carry vibes. It's just mass chaos, and you know, for the good majority of that final act, people are just doing their own thing. People are dancing, drinking, socializing. Meanwhile, in like certain parts of the gym, people are getting their hands ripped off, getting stabbed. That one dude gets like his jaw ripped out of his face and it's just like so much stuff is happening around and so many people are just oblivious until basically the end of the movie is just pure chaos of everyone trying to get out alive one of the fucking best deaths and this could probably rank among my top 10 favorite deaths of all time is when the girl's looking into the mirror and the mirror starts to rumble up and then suddenly the mirror just explodes and most movies people get like a cut or two her body is eviscerated by the exploding mirror. Like her head is gone. And, in, and it's not just like cut up a little bit. Her head's in a bunch of tiny little pieces from this exploding mirror. And that's because Catherine has also, you said Carrie, she has Carrie power. So it's Exorcist, Carrie, and Psycho thrown into yeah. one fucking spa. And it's <laughs> fucking perfect. <laughs> it, it really is just nonstop. Like it hits a point when they get to the Mardi Gras party And it helps that everyone has their costumes on. You know, it's not a Halloween movie, but the fact that everyone has their costumes on just makes everything amplify just a little bit more, especially because we see, you know, they're looking for the twin brother. Where is he? He's probably the one that's doing it. So he's got his costume on. Everyone else is like, they're setting people up to be like, don't let him in. There's a thousand people in costumes in this one gym and they're trying to stop one person from coming in. Well, they said, don't let anybody in dressed like Catherine because they had found that uh, somebody in David's house was uh, had Catherine's underwear and she was like, oh, this must be the fucking killer. And they're kind of right. But uh, <laughs> apparently David doesn't look like David when he's dressed up like Catherine. He looks like that dead, sexy, fiery woman. And uh, <laughs> she's been trying to get Michael to kill himself because she loves him so much. They say, look out for anybody dressed up like Catherine. Apparently nobody knows what the fuck Catherine looked like because she looked exactly <laughs> like Catherine. Walked in the security office. The security guard, dressed like a pirate, doesn't even recognize her. and She's standing right the fuck there and she's trying to be all sexy on him. And then she smashes his face, which when they do the reveal and show his actual smash face, 
skin doesn't work like that. It's, it's, nope, like, no. it's like his face is made out of Play-Doh or, or putty or clay or something. Clay, that's the word I was looking for. The adult version of Play-Doh. It looks like his face is <laughs> made out of clay and she had just smashed the fingers into it. Like, I understand she could crush his skull, superhuman strength, but the skin would not mold to where the skull was crushed i was hoping that he would talk like a pirate like he had the full outfit on he reached the point he's like oh yeah i'm gonna get some in this office i don't care about my job i was just waiting for like an arg or something like that that would have just been the perfect little bit of humor we needed before he got his face rearranged by the way listeners do people dress up like pirates for mardi gras i thought it was just skulls let me know in the comments on like instagram and shit like that if if like maybe this is not it's understandable that i thought this was a halloween movie help me out make me feel better about this it looks like a mardi gras costume party i don't think they're following any mardi gras rules because there's people dressed up as whatever they want i don't think there's any rhyme or reason there's an adam and eve in there there's some ridiculous costumes that i don't think have anything to do with anything other than the fact that they want to be half naked and be at the party yeah, and I don't, I don't think bees are a Mardi Gras thing, unless third Candyman was kind of, no, second Candyman was around Mardi Gras, so yeah, maybe there, there are something to bees with that. Uh, I don't know, there's, this movie's just interesting. I, I, I like uh, when he's feeding his girlfriend when he takes her back from uh, the hospital. <laughs> the, the asparagus? <laughs> this, is, this is better than hospital food. I sure as fuck know what was going in her mouth after the asparagus. He's like, just like... He's just shoving that asparagus down her throat. Like, I think she's ready for me. Let's do the asparagus test. And okay, she's ready for my skinny asparagus dick right now. Because I really thought that was going to be like the next thing to happen. They were just going to do like a hard cut with him like inside her mouth. Just... <laughs> It was it was so weird. And the camera work is just amazing. Top tier cinematography here. It's just like the close up. It's just her mouth. And then off frame you just slowly see the asparagus go in her mouth. It's like I don't know what they were doing. I don't know what the inspiration for the scene was. But the cinematography is A1. It's beautiful production at that part of the movie. Usually strawberries are like the sensual food, but like right. he, he, the filmmaker, the director, I appreciated he wanted to get something that at least like people go, that's supposed to be a stand in for a dick. Because strawberries, <laughs> unless, unless you're very sh- short and wide down there, it's not a good substitute for a dick. So they're like, this has to be it. The sensual asparagus that makes your piss smell funny. Yes, that's what everybody uses for an aphrodisiac. One thing that I was kind of bummed out on when I watched the movie for the first time is it is a gym movie. I was hoping there's more gym-related deaths. Like, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of death in this movie, and there's some really good, fun kills in this movie. I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity for not enough kills on the gym machines. Like, there's so many machines that they could have used. No one had a weight dropped on their head and had their neck snapped like we've seen before in other movies. Like... I wanted something good. I wanted some just, we're in a gym, we're in a spa. Yeah, we get the spa kill. We get the tanning bed. Yeah, it's stuff we've seen. We got the weights. Uh, the weights were decent. The, the weights Which, were good. I don't understand the weight one very well. The, like, uh, the weights have like a stopping point on most machines. So even though right. they were adding in all the points, it would have just like pinned him back. But I guess this one's so like, maybe they wanted to have like 360 muscles that you could build there. So it was going <laughs> past where his arms would have been able to stop. And it rips his fucking uh, ribs out of his, out of his yeah. skin. It makes zero sense, but I still love it. <laughs> I don't think the filmmakers cared too much about the uh, anatomy and how things reacted correctly. I don't think that was their main focus. I think the main focus was getting attractive people killed in as many interesting and wild ways as possible. I did expect it to be his arms getting ripped off, though. That was like I thought it was just going to. That would have made the most sense. Too strong all of a sudden, and then his arms are going to get fully ripped off. And like, I hate to be a backseat driver on a movie that's from 1988, and nobody <laughs> that worked on this is going to hear it. But you guys should have ripped his fucking arms off. That's the better kill. And this is a good type of gore, where it's just random, it's splattery, it's over the top, everything's more than it should be, and it just works really, really well. It doesn't look particularly well, but they tried, and I can appreciate that. I disagree. I think the gore looks pretty decent. Like uh, when really? the woman, 
The acid woman looks fucking great. Um, the woman that gets stabbed through the throat by, I don't know what the fuck was in the locker. It looks like somebody just had like the top of a fence in their locker and stabbed through her fucking throat. It's to hang your clothes on. It comes out of the relo- the locker. You put your clothes on there so you can change. It's like a little clothing rack. And then when you're done, you push it back. Like you see her using it before she gets killed with it. She pulls it out. She hangs her clothes. She puts it back. And then you see her dead the same way, just impaled through the neck two minutes later. Like they show like- you what it's there for. <laughs> It looks like it's, I've watched this movie multiple times and I still didn't understand what the hell happened to her. <laughs> I, I think the gore is good. The woman that got eviscerated by the fucking mirror, that looked pretty fucking good. Like, some, some of the effects aren't realistic. The face smashing is not realistic looking, <laughs> but it's still fucking cool looking. I don't think the special effects are bad in this at all. I'd rather have something interesting looking than realistic looking because I think we've done we'll this thing before of Freddy Krueger does not look like an actual burn victim. At least the Robert England one does, but he looks it, it uh, makes you think of a burn victim. Whereas the Jackie Arrow Haley one tried to be more realistic with the burn victim and it looks like shit. Realism doesn't matter. You just have to evoke a reaction from people. And these special effects evoke a reaction, which I think is very good. Well, there's no realism in this movie to try to evoke at all. So that would be a weird place to draw the line and be like, no, we need realistic gore, realistic kills in this completely unrealistic movie. At the the end of the day, though, the movie really is her trying to get him to come back to her. I love the messages that she leaves with the computer. You know, she's leaving text form on the computer, on the printouts. It's like, I miss you, Michael. I miss you, Michael, over and over and over. Like, she's just trying to get her man back. And I love the scene where she comes back and she's like, kill yourself now and I'll spare all your friends. He didn't even think about it. He's like, nope, I'm not doing that. We can tell he doesn't care about anyone else. He immediately runs and goes to try to save his new girlfriend, out of the tanning salon but he at no point did go nope i'm not sacrificing myself for anybody michael's pretty cool as a cucumber in this movie because uh, they even have nightmare dream sequence in it and he mentions them later like they bother him but he doesn't react like people react to nightmares in horror movies because they had that one where he sees Catherine like come be with me kill yourself and he jumps off the fucking uh uh building and t- supposedly to his death in his dream and usually Right after that, they wake up, like, jolts upright, freaked yeah. out. And this one, it just went to a picture of him lying peacefully in his bed. Like, it was letting you know that it was a dream, but it didn't bother him at all. Nah, he's a cool guy. Any guy that goes to open the gym barefooted with a jacket with no shirt underneath, he's just a cool dude. And I just love 80s fashion in these movies. I, I think some of these outfits are so ridiculous, and he's great. I, the main characters, the despite the story being a little convoluted, I actually like all the main characters. They're enjoyable. They're funny. They work well together in this like cheesy gym work setting. Like they all look like they could be work buddies for the most part. You're saying it's convoluted, like it's a bad thing, but this is the exact <laughs> time I like convoluted. I sometimes get sick of convoluted when it's like a serious movie, and I gotta keep track of all these fucking names. But I don't really feel like I'm juggling a bunch of names and shit to try and figure shit out i just think it's convoluted with like red herrings and like trying to misguide you but everything is just ridiculous on top of ridiculous on top of ridiculous and that's the fun kind of convoluted that absolutely works for me so the convolutedness of this it works on the same level that happy birthday to me works for me in its ridiculous convolutedness this is fun convoluted this is like I don't even think I don't think they were trying to make a smart film. I don't get that. I think they were going for as ridiculous as possible while they can get some gore in here. Because you don't make a movie called Death Spa and think that you're making the the greatest scary horror movie of all time. You think you're making something fun, and it a hundred percent delivers on that. Oh yeah, there's no way that I'm going to question in any way, shape, or form that this is a fun movie to watch. Okay, it's something that despite having a little bit of lull in the middle of the movie, it it is a fun movie. You know, pretty much throughout because it is just ridiculous. It's random. It's got that B-movie acting charm that you like in it. I don't think it exactly has a lull, but it's not trying to reveal how ridiculous it gets right off the bat. There is a little bit of escalation before it goes full-on, head-crazy madness of of the 30-minute climax. It's it's not trying to reveal all its cards at once. I'd say uh, like the first couple attacks 
kind of tame, kind of whatever. First time I was watching this, I was like, eh. But because you get those tame whatever attacks, by the time it gets to the guy's hand fucking exploding and the girl hit with the acid, it's a little bit more surprising. And then Catherine throws the guy that just lost his fucking hand and then kills him. Like, he, she throws him into the fucking ceiling. And you're like, yeah, I am fully on board with this movie. I was like, kind of on board, and now I'm fully on board. And you could not go... And it would not feel as special, the escalation in this movie, if it did not start out a little bit more grounded, a little bit more mediocre. So everything happened for a reason. And now, after watching it multiple times, I fully appreciate the buildup to the madness of this movie. I love, like, after he hits the roof, like, he lands on the ground and then lands on, like, the little package delivery chute and just, like, slowly slides down the stairs right back down to the bottom. Like, little stuff like that. It's a fun touch on these ridiculous kills. Absolutely. All right, is there anything else that we're missing on this one? No, I don't think so. All right, Jesse, is Despa a bloody good film? This movie's a lot of fun, and it's the perfect type of movie for people that enjoy awesome kills, B-movies, and just fun settings. Like, it's not anything groundbreaking. They don't do anything that you haven't seen before, but what they do do is put together a really fun, fun environment for this type of movie to happen i love the gym setting i love their gym i want to go to their gym everyone seems like they're having a good time aside from everyone dying randomly i like our characters i think they give you enough diversity to keep the story interesting you know the story is not the main point of this movie you're not going into this movie because you go this is going to be a great story but what they do do is give you a story that's enjoyable that makes sense and that gets you to the climax which is really all that you can ask for I could have done without the lawyer trying to take it, take the gym from underneath them, and that whole little 10, 15 minute conversation. I would have rather had two more people die at the gym. You're wrong. <laughs> but other than that, like the climax of this movie is incredible. It's just wild kill after crazy scenario after more wild kills that lead up to just total chaos and anarchy. There's blenders that's just shooting blood. She can't get her hand out of it. They set it up earlier in the movie. It's a great payoff. There's wild reanimated eels that are killing the cop like it's just so wild it's so entertaining uh it's definitely a fun movie it's definitely a good movie it's definitely a nipply movie um but it's not great it but it's very enjoyable it's definitely a bloody very good film this is one of the rare times where on rewatch i actually changed my letterbox score and put it up another point because I absolutely love this movie. And I can appreciate some of the slower parts at the beginning a little bit more on rewatch because I know what it's building up for. This is an amazing movie. It's fucking bonkers crazy. I had zero expectations the first time I watched this. I, I needed more because this is fucking... I, I don't even know how to describe how fucking amazing this movie is. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's fun. It's gory. The characters are interesting. David is one of the best characters in the movie because especially like... It sounds like he was fucking his sister, but I don't know. Yeah. It just sounds like he's fucking her while he's being possessed. And there was one part where he's like, no! You know, very weird yeah. monotone David type way that I fucking love. Uh, love the nipples in this movie. Very nipply. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, this is absolute. This is the kind of movie that I live for. I think this is a bloody fucking amazing movie. <laughs> I love it. Just make sure that if you're feeling a little bit bored at the beginning, know that it's leading into something, and then on repeat views, it gets better. So. 100% I recommend this to anybody if you don't like this movie fuck you but go ahead and tell me why and I'll try and respond a little nicer than this alright Jesse what are we going to be talking about next week alright Josh next week we are talking one of the biggest most iconic horror franchises it's been going on a really long time now they got a lot of movies the newest one is in theaters currently so next week's definitely going to have some spoilers I'm giving you guys a week in advance notice to go out and see this movie before the releases. We are doing the original Saw, the one that started it all, and we're pairing it with the current, in theaters now, Saw X. We're doing it within continuity of the timeline, because this one takes place between one and two. So we're getting the first one and the one that takes place after it, even if Tobin Bell might look a little bit lot older. But uh, tune in <laughs> next week when we get into Saw and Saw X. All right, the beers are empty, which means this must be the end of the episode. Thank you for listening. 
Make sure to go and follow our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and even a little TikTok. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever it is you get your podcasts. Leave us five stars, leave us a review, and let us know what you think. Helps boost our feed in the algorithm, gets us in front of a few new people. Huge shout out to Soul Grinder for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give them a follow at Soul Grinder Official and at Merrillgate. Thank you to Alvarium.art for our podcast art. And remember, keep it bloody, buddies. And then the movie? <laughs> wow, you just got really fucking loud there. Did I? Oh yeah, my waves are pretty loud. Let's see. Calm the fuck down. I'm just so thing? excited. Alright, let's see. Are you going to do that thing where you test it by talking lower than you usually do? Testing one, two. Testing, testing one, two. one, two, three. <laughs> my waves are looking pretty good right now. Hey, Josh! Oh, hold on. I got to run through my, my bro here.